The student ministry podcast that you're about to hear is a sermon preached by Brother Larry Chapel at the 2009 West Coast Baptist Youth Conference. Brother Chapel is a graduate of West Coast Baptist College and currently serves in the youth ministry of Lancaster Baptist Church. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. When I was in about ninth grade, my sister Danielle had just gotten her driver's license and this was an exciting time how many of you guys have an older brother or sister that have, has just you know recently gotten their driver's license all right that's neat how many of you drive with them keep your hands up that's kind of scary isn't it you know how many of you driven maybe with an older sister when she first got her driver's license okay how many of you had an older sister that got in a car accident when you're with them anyone like that oh, a few a few three or four hands man that's a bummer I remember when my older sister, Danielle, had just gotten her driver's license. It was an exciting time for our family. And I remember uh, we, for all of our life, we've had the op- option of riding with my mom or riding with my dad, and that was good. But I remember when Danielle got her driver's license, she got a car. Now, it wasn't you know, a really nice car, but it was a decent car, and it was just really fun and exciting because now we had the option of going with Danielle. It's kind of like kind of like the option of going on a roller coaster, you know, to school in the morning, because you never really know what to expect. You never know how sharply she's going to take a turn. And to make, make things more exciting, the Lord saw fit to give Danielle a stick shift, you know. And I don't know if you've ever been with an older sibling when they're first learning to drive, but when it's a stick shift, it makes it especially exciting, and especially when it's a female, when it's a girl. Okay, so here's my, here's my sister and she just got her license, she just got a car, it's a stick shift, and she's just learning how to drive, and I mean, it was fun. I remember we'd go, we'd get in the car, we'd, we'd buckle our seatbelts, we'd get in the car, she'd begin to drive, you know, let off the clutch, push on the gas, <laughs> jerk like that, you know, get minor whiplash, but it was fun, it was exciting, it would wake you up in the morning. Maybe I need to ride like that this morning, maybe I need to go get in a, uh, a car and take a drive around the parking lot, but I remember with my sister Danielle. Man, it was a fun time. I remember one night in particular sticks out in my mind. It was, it was a Wednesday night. We had just come through the Wednesday night service, and my parents told me, they said, Larry, after church, we're going to go over to Dr. Rasmussen's house. And we were looking forward to that, because Dr. Rasmussen usually has a good meal and, and has a good time, and uh, he had a pool table over there. I thought, man, this is, this is going to be fun. So we, we went over there. We drove with uh, my, all, all of my siblings. I have one brother and two sisters. We all drove with my older sister, Danielle, and her 89 Toyota Camry stick shift. And I remember going there, and it was, it was an experience just getting there, and we made it, and it was fun. And I remember pulled up to the house, and we went inside, and we had a fun time. We, uh, we played some games. We had food, and we were there pretty late. And I, I remember my parents said, well, hey, we're about ready to take off. And my mom and dad said, we're going to take off. And we said, you know, we're going to stick around for about 20 more minutes, and then we'll meet up with you. So sure enough, my dad left with my mom, and we got in the car with Danielle. And this is, this is getting late now. It's got to be between 11.30 and midnight. And we, uh, we get in the car, and uh, we're tired. We just want to go home. And Danielle, she puts in the key to the ignition, and she starts up the car. Everything sounded good. It had a V6 engine. It was, it was a decent car. And I remember getting in that car and uh, sitting there in the passenger seat. And Danielle, uh, she took the, uh, she, she put the clutch into gear, and she began to press on the gas, let off the clutch, and I remember, at this point, usually we'd like jerk forward, you know, about six inches, and again, you kind of jerk for a couple feet, and eventually you'd go, but uh, this time, we didn't go anywhere. Now, 
I didn't panic because usually what happens is I just say, Danielle, just take off the emergency brake and then we can go. Because usually she just forgot to take off the emergency brake. But I said, Danielle, just take off the emergency brake and we'll be fine. So she took the emergency brake and she put it down. And I remember she had the clutch in. She's pressing on the gas. She's taking off the clutch. And the car's not going anywhere. It sounds fine. The engine sounds fine. You can, you can feel like the, the car wanted to go forward. You know, it's, it, was, it, was, it was barely going forward. And so I'm like, just give it a little more gas. And now the engine is revving a little higher, a little higher, and she's pressing on it, pressing on it harder. Man, we can't figure out what's going on. So finally, here I am in ninth grade. I'm like, Danielle, just get out of the car. Let me do it. I'm in ninth grade. So I come around, and I say, here's what I'll do. I'll at least get it started for you. We'll get it going down the street. I'll show you that this can be done, it's not that hard, and then you can get and drive us home. You know? So I get in the car, and I remember taking off the emergency brake, putting, putting the car into gear, beginning to press on the gas, let off the clutch, and I remember the same thing, you know, and I gave it some more gas, and now it's revving really hard, but it is not going anywhere. So we turn off the car, and we sit there. What are we going to do? You know, the car won't go anywhere. We're going to be here all night. <laughs> you know? And I, I said, you know what, let's call... Let's call, let's call dad, see what he has to say about it. So I call my dad. At this point in time, he is already in bed with my mom. So he did what every good parent would do. He called AAA <laughs> to come and rescue us. He didn't even come. He just went to sleep. He called AAA. And it was about 30 minutes later, AAA finally showed up. And they, they came, and the guy discovered something that I had not seen. The seatbelt from my sister's 89 Toyota Camry was coming out the door of the car and was laying on the ground, and when we had attempted to go forward, that back tire run, ran over the seatbelt and kicked it up and wrapped it around the axle. I've never heard of this in my life. This was an amazing experience. She had, every time she tried to go forward, the seatbelt wrapped tighter and tighter and tighter around the axle of the car. And although the car had a powerful drivetrain and a V6 engine, it was stopped by a simple piece of cloth, a seatbelt. And I remember... The guy thinking, what kind of idiots are you? <laughs> you know? And I remember the guy from AAA going and took a knife out, and he finally cut the seatbelt loose, and we never did get that seatbelt fixed. And, and you know, some people, you know, you've seen them drive down the street before, and they have, uh, they've got their, their skirt. Maybe a lady, they'll have a skirt hanging out the door, you know, a dress. How many of you have seen that before? Okay? In our family, we just do seatbelts. We throw the seatbelts out the window, and they got wrapped around. And I remember that was, that was an interesting experience, but it was interesting to me to know that here that car was, it had everything that it needed to go forward, but it was stopped by a simple piece of cloth, a seatbelt. And took, until we took care of that, that car didn't go anywhere. This morning in our story, we just read a heartbreaking story. Here's the children of Israel. They've just been given a great military victory from the Lord. The Lord is with them. They've got some momentum going forward. Some of you have played sports before, and it's, man, we've got a couple wins under your belt. It seems like they just get easier and easier. And here's the children of Israel. They are going forward for the Lord. They are accomplishing great things. And they come through, they come through the battleground after they have just been, been handed a major military victory. And the Lord says, when you go through the battlefield, when you go through the ruins, this time, oftentimes they were able just to take whatever they want, and they go through the spoils. But this time God says, no. You can't take anything. This is for me. Don't take anything for yourselves. But one man sinned. And because of that one man's sin, an entire nation was held back from going forward for God. So this morning, let's look at, this, let's look at a lesson from the life of one man by the name of Achan. Let's look at application for our life, and we'll be on our way. 
Sin has been defined as the absence of righteousness or disobedience from God. Failure to conform to the standard which God has set. Rebellion against God. Wrongful acts against man, uh, from man against God. And I, th- I don't think oftentimes that the problem in our lives is defining sin. I believe we all know what sin is. And I believe we all know when we do something. And if you are a Christian this morning, especially, when you sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And that should grieve the Holy Spirit. And that should grieve your conscience. And as a Christian, that should not feel right. If you've gotten to the place where your conscience is so seared because of continual sin that you've committed, you need to come to a place where you come to an altar of repentance and make that right before the Lord. Sin keeps us, separates us from God. The Bible talks about in His Word that when we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Sin is a big deal to God. Well, notice in this passage, first of all, the cost of sin. You see, sin always carries a price tag. And sin is not a popular subject to talk about. A lot of times when you talk about sin in the chapel service or a church service or even a conference like this, it gets real quiet in the room because sin affects us all and sin affects our relationship with God. Sin always carries a price tag. The Bible talks about there is pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. I think of the story we heard last night of the prodigal son. Here he went off. Man, he had a great time. He had, he had the girls. He had the money. He had the fame. And you know what? It all ran out. And there's pleasure in sin, the Bible says, but it's only for a season. See, sin carries its price tag. Sin, yes, is pleasurable, but the Bible says only for a season. And here we go, Achan. Achan was a man, he knew what he was supposed to do, and he went through the spoils of the, of when they defeated Jericho, and he goes through the spoils, and he sees some things that he likes. And he says, and we just read in this passage just a moment ago, that, a, that Joshua, that, or that uh, Achan, Let's look, look around in verse number, verse number 21. Hold your place right there. Verse number 21. We're going to read that in just a moment. Here's Achan. The Bible says, took of the accursing. Now, let me, let me give you context for the story. Here's the children of Israel. We've talked about they've just been given a great military victory. They're going forward for God. They're doing some great things. Now, they come to the next city. Here's the city by the name of Ai. And they go to Ai, and Joshua sends men to spy out the nation of Ai, the city of Ai. And they go to the people of Ai, and they view out the land. And they would often do this throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, you read about how when one, when one tribe or one nation would go to conquer another nation, they would often spend, send out some spies to view out the land. And that's exactly what Joshua did. Joshua sent out some spies to view the land, and they made an assessment of how many troops they would need to send. And they came back to Joshua, we just read a moment ago, and they came back to Joshua, and they said, look, Joshua, to be honest, we went and looked at Ai, and man, they're weak looking. We can take them. They said, you know what, don't even let, don't even let all of our troops go. Just let a few thousand of them go. They said, don't make all of our troops go and labor in the battlefield. Just send a few of them. We can take them. You see, Ai, they were the underdog. Israel was supposed to win this victory, so they do just that. They don't send all the troops, they send but a few, and they go into battle. And they go into battle, and just as quickly as they go into battle, they are defeated. And the Bible talks, says that 36 men lost their life. This was a tragic, tragic defeat for the nation of Israel. This was a victory that was supposed to be theirs. Everything, humanly speaking, should have gone as planned. 
but it didn't. 36 men lost their lives, and they were chased from the gate of the city. Joshua, as a good, strong leader, he is, he is torn. He is, he is devastated. The Bible says we just read that he rents his clothes, and he goes before the Lord, and he's begging the Lord for an answer. Why did this happen? We were supposed to be given a victory. God, I thought you were with us. Now we go into battle, and we lose. We're chased out from the city. 36 men lost their lives. And God says, get up. Get up. And God says, you know, I'll tell you why. Because there is an accursed thing among you. Because of one man's sin. You see, Achan, after the previous battle, when he wasn't supposed to, went among the spoils and took, the Bible says, uh, uh, garments, gold and silver, and the garments that he was not supposed to take. And he took them and he hid them in his tent. Let's read that verse. Look down to verse number Look down to verse number uh, 19, where we were just at, or number 21. Here's the story. Joshua doesn't know what, what has happened. And the Lord says, get up. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and get the children of Israel up, and I want you to separate them out, tribe by tribe, and I want you to go out, family by family. This is what God told Joshua. And he said, I want you to go, and I will tell you who it is. Let's, let's read a, ver- a few verses pre- prior to that. Look at verse number uh, 16. Here's the next day, Joshua says, Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of, uh, he brought the family of Judah and brought... And he took the family of the Zerites, and he brought the family of the Zerites uh, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. So here we go. Here's, here, is, uh, here we're getting closer to Achan. Achan of the tribe of Judah, of the family of Zabdi. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. So eventually, here's everyone's lined up. Imagine this picture in your mind. Israel's now separated by tribes, by family, and one by one, they're going past Joshua. One by one, they march past Joshua. And they come to the man Achan, the one who had taken what he was not supposed to take, the one who had committed the sin. And Joshua said unto, him, said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Now here's the confession. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. And here's the confession, verse number 21. When I saw among the, the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Here's the children of Israel going to battle. They're supposed to have this victory. This is supposed to be a sure victory. And they are stopped dead in their tracks because of the sin of one man. One man, he made this confession we just read. One man saw the Babylonish garments, the the silver and the gold. He took them and hid them in, in the tent. Something he was not supposed to do. And because of that one man's sin, when Israel next time, when they go in the battle for the next time, they are chased from the gate of Ai, because of one man's sin. You see, sin always carries a price tag. There is a cost to sin. Look, the devil, one of the greatest lies of the devil is that sin has no cost, and that sin does not carry a price tag. Look, 
The devil will show you time and time and time again. He'll show you the Super Bowl commercials where the guy's drinking the Budweiser, but he'll never show you the car accident that took place. And the devil loves to show you the pleasure of sin, but never likes to show you the price tag of sin. And realize this morning, and realize for the rest of your life, that sin carries a price tag. Sin carries a price tag. Even, even sin that you say, no one else knows about it. Only I know about it. Only my friend knows about it. That sin carries a price tag, and that sin will affect you greatly unless you confess it to the Lord. Sin always carries a price tag. There is a cost of sin, and Achan finds this out because of the cost of sin costs him greatly. First of all, it costs the children loss in battle. Here is a battle that was supposed to be there. Humanly speaking, they had every advantage, but they went against God's will. In life, there are people that have every advantage spiritually, but then they go against the principles of the Word of God, and they commit sin, and they fail to confess that sin before God. And even though they had every advantage, the blessing of the Lord and the hand of blessing is removed from their life. Much like we saw in the drama last night, that God honors, God blesses those who honor Him. I had a friend of mine, he was probably one of the smartest guys I know. He was, he was, he, he was I mean, give him any subject, and I mean, he would ace it, any test, he didn't even hardly have to study. How many of you guys just hate people like that, you know? They, they just get good grades and don't have to do anything about it. This guy was one of those people. I mean, he did really well in school, and I remember, I remember, although he was doing well academically, he began to struggle spiritually, and he began to do things that Christians ought not to do. And he began to do them continually, and he began to do things that his parents didn't know about and his teachers didn't know about. Only him and God knew about. And I'm telling you, this guy was brilliant. He ended up going from our Christian high school. He, he was in our high school, but man, he was having a tough time. And he, he was taken from the Christian high school, and uh, eventually, because of accumulation of demerits and some things that he had done, he was eventually expelled from the high school. High school. I remember him going to a local high school and, I mean, graduating top of his class in a high school of 5,000 kids. And I, I remember he did very, very well. He played sports. He did well. He got all sorts of academic scholarships. You know what? Right after, right after high school, rather than go to college, I mean, he began to stick around town. He began to drink. He began to party. He began to uh, make some very bad decisions in his life. And here, here he was, just a few years out of high school. He had a, he had a jail record. He had a gambling problem, he had a drug problem. I'm telling you, this is someone who had every advantage, humanly speaking. But you know what? He went against the will of God. Sin always carries a price tag. Sin always has an effect. I don't know what sins may be represented in your life and in my life, but when that sin is committed and goes unconfessed before the Lord our God, that carries a price tag. And there's consequences for our sin. Look, we need to strive to live lives that are holy and separate from the world. We need to strive to live according to the principles of the Word of God because when we sin, you can always, you can always guarantee it every single time there's a price tag to follow. There's a cost of sin. The cost of sin in this story was a loss and battle. But then it costs Israel sorrow in heart. Here, here they were. They go to battle and they lose. But now they are grieved. They, they are grieved. 36 people lost their life. They, and, and the Bible talks about how they rent their clothes, and Joshua was grieved because sin always carries a price tag. It cost them there was this battle. But then the, the sorrow followed. I tell you time and time again, I've talked to people even in 7th and 8th grade. I've talked to some teens in 7th and 8th grade who have done some very, very foolish things. 
And I, remember, I can tell you time and time again, even this year where I've, I've sat in meetings with maybe a 7th and 8th grader and their parent. And I had the 7th or 8th grader say, I want you to tell your parent what you've just done. And I'm telling you, I can tell you time and time again when a mom and a dad just broke down in tears. Because sin always costs you sorrow. And sin always costs you sorrow at heart. Looks fun, looks exciting. No one's going to know. But sin always carries a price. We've got to move quickly. There is a cost to sin. The devil would have you to believe that there's not, but there is a cost in sin. Notice, secondly, because we can learn very, uh, some very important lessons to apply to our life from the confession of Achan. You see, sin has a cycle. The Bible talks in James 1.15, when, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And we'll see the cycle of sin in Achan's life in just a moment. And let's look at the confession that Achan made. He said, first of all, look down in verse number 21. He said, when I saw, here's the confession. Here, you say, Achan, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind before you did this stupid thing? Here's what Achan said. Joshua said, give me a confession. Achan says this. He said, first of all, when I saw. What was Achan's first confession? What did he say? He said, when I what? When I saw. He said, when I saw, look, the Bible gives us principles over and over again through his word how to not, that we are not to say any wicked thing before our, eye, before our eyes. And we are supposed to guide our eyes and guard our heart and guard what we look, at, look upon. And Achan said, I saw, I saw. Look, the Bible, the, the devil will use your eyes to get to your heart. The devil will use things that will appeal to your eyes and appeal to your flesh to get a stronghold in your heart and get you going down a path that you never would have otherwise taken because you didn't guard your eyes. Man, we have some young men in this room that say, I will guard my eyes. Look, this is a wicked, wicked world, a wicked day and age in which we live. I'm telling you, you can't even drive down the freeway of any major city in America without looking at... Uh, very immoral things on billboards and hearing immoral things on the radio and you turn on a television, you can't even hardly watch the commercials during a football game. And guys, there's the internet. The devil has a stronghold in so many teenagers' lives because of pornography on the internet. And even in a room representing this side, there's probably some individuals who are struggling with sins because of their eyes. They, weren't, they didn't control their eyes. And look, you need to be aware that the devil uses this as one of his strongest tactics. It's to get a hold of your heart through your eyes. And here's Achan. He says, look, the first thing I did was I began to look. Guys, don't even look in the direction of the devil. Don't even look at the direction that the devil would desire for you to go. Don't even look when there's a temptation that comes before you. Look, turn away. Jesus Christ himself was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And with every temptation that is, that is presented to us, there is provided a way of escape. You know, sometimes the way of escape is just as simple as turning off the television, not even getting on the Internet, putting safeguards on the Internet when your parents are away. The Bible says, Achan, he first of all, he said, I saw. Then he says, secondly, I coveted. He saw those garments. He saw the silver. He saw the gold. He began to desire them. He began to want them for his own. He began to covet them. He saw. He coveted. He began to. He began to imagine himself with those garments. Now, interesting enough, what did he do when he got them? He said he saw, then secondly, uh, he, he, took, he, he saw, he, then he coveted. He knew it wasn't his in the first place, but he wanted it. Then he took them. He committed the sin. 
He took the garments. Look, don't. Before, before Achan ever went down this road, before he ever committed the sin of, of, of stealing those garments and taking what wasn't his, he committed the sin in his heart. He coveted. He saw. He coveted. And then he took. He took. Now, interestingly enough, look at next. Look at the verse. Let's read again. And we're almost done. The Bible says he saw. The Bible says he took. He committed the sin. And then the Bible says, look at verse number 21. It says, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. He says, Then I coveted. So I saw, I coveted, and then I took them. And behold, listen to this. Listen to this. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. Isn't that so often the story in our lives? We do something foolish. We do something against the, the will of God, against the word of God. We commit a sin. We know it's not right, and then what do we do? We try to backtrack. We try to hide. I think, I think oftentimes, even in our churches today, we have a lot of, even in junior high, a lot of people that are professional backtrackers because they went and they did something they weren't supposed to do, and this friend knows about it. And then that friend probably told this friend, and I'm telling you, there are some teenagers, they spend good amounts of time just going back and trying to figure out who knows what they did and make sure that they don't tell. And he said, I saw, I coveted, I took, and then he hid. Oftentimes, our first response to sin in our life, when the guilt comes in that we will inevitably feel, sometimes our first response is to hide it. That is the worst response. That is our sin nature. I'm going to take care of it. Think of Adam and Eve. First story in the Bible. Adam and Eve, look it. They took of the fruit they weren't supposed to take of. What did they do? They went and hid. Here they were, they had a relationship with God unlike any other. Every day they would walk with God, and now all of a sudden sin enters their life, and it's like a barrier went up. And sin is always a barrier. Look, I'll tell you, evident, one of the evidences in your life that maybe you are harboring unconfessed sin is your relationship with God has suffered. Not because of anything God has done, but because you've built up such a barrier of sin in your life that you can, hear, you can hear a great message, you can read a portion of the Word of God, and it not even affect you because you've got hit sin tucked away in the corner of your heart. I don't know what it may be today. I don't know what the sin may be, but, but the Bible teaches this principle. that when we have sin in our heart, the Lord will not hear us, but He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Now look, we ought to, we ought to do our best to live lives that are holy, live lives that are pure. But when we do something that goes against the Word of God, may our first response not be to hide our sin. May our first response be to confess our sin. Now let me tell you this. You don't have to wait for an altar at youth conference to make confession to the Lord. You can do that right away. But let me tell you this. Don't play with God. Because God can see your heart. And God can see your intentions. Don't get caught up in this mindset, you know, you know before you commit the sin, oh, I know this is wrong, but I, I'm just going to confess it right when I'm done, and everything will be good. That is not pleasing to God. Achan said, I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. This was a bad day in the life of Achan. This is a bad day in the life of Israel. You know, it's interesting, you read this passage, the Bible says that God said, Israel has sinned. Now look, it was really just one man. 
What did God say? God said, Israel has sinned. One man committed sin, and it not only brought his own spiritual life to a screeching halt, but it affected the entire nation of Israel. Your sin, you are very foolish to think that your sin only affects you. Because it affects many more than just you. I'm telling you, there are some youth groups, I can guarantee you, across America that are on the verge of revival. But there may be just one or two people in the youth group who have sin in their life. And it wouldn't surprise me if God hasn't put his hand on blessing upon that youth group because of one or two people. Because your sin affects more than just you. Here's Achan's sin, but God said Israel has sinned. Your your sin always affects more than just you. Look, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you there longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. There's a cost to sin. Let's Let's continue reading about Achan. We've got to read quickly. Here's Achan. What's going to happen to Achan? Here he is. He's committed the sin, but now Joshua brought him before the entire people of Israel, and Achan makes a confession. His confession we just read, I saw, I coveted, I took, and I hid. And he made a confession, and here's what I did. Now let's look at the penalty that Achan's sin brought him. Let's look at the price tag of Achan's sin. Look at verse number 2. We'll continue the rest of the story. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto his tent. And behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. So sure enough, Joshua sends men, there's the silver, there's the gold, there's the garments hid in his tent. You know, that's interesting to me. How is he going to enjoy that gold and the garments when it's hid in the ground? I don't, I don't think he was getting much enjoyment out of that. But there it was, hid in the tent. The guys go, Joshua sends some men to go get it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and they brought them unto Joshua and all the children of Israel and laid them before the Lord. And Joshua... And all, the, uh, and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and, the sons, uh, and his sons and his daughter. Now pay attention to what's about to happen. Joshua takes the stolen items. Then he takes, look at verse number 24, his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and everything that he had and brought them unto the valley of Achar. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. Now listen to this. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire. And after they had stoned them with stones, they raised up a great heap of stones on this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Achar unto this day. Here's Achan had committed a sin. He had taken of the accursed thing. He made a confession before Joshua, but look, it was too late. Joshua said, bring your family, bring your sons, bring your daughters, bring your cattle, bring everything that you own, even bring your stinking tent that you hid, the the garments and the silver and the gold, bring that, and he says, you know what, anything else that you had, bring it. And they bring all these items before, and the children of Israel, first of all, stone them, the Bible says, and burn them because of the sin. May this serve an example to us that sin carries a price tag. But now look at Here's the good news. When they took care, when Israel took care of the sin, God continued to bless them. We saw the cost of sin. We saw the confession of Achan. But let us know finally, we'll be done. 
the continuance of God's blessing. We don't have time to go in the rest of the story, but one more time, Israel decides to go into battle against Ai. Look at this way and we'll be done. They go into battle against Ai one more time. This is the country that they had gone into and just been defeated, but they said, let's go in one more time. But this time, the Lord was with them. This time, they took all of the troops. And this time, the Lord blessed them. When you honor God, God blesses you. And here's the children of Israel going to battle just one more time. This time, God is with them. This time, there's no unconfessed sin. And this time, the Lord gives them the victory in their life. I don't know what sin may be represented in here today, but may you keep a short account of God. Here's the point. That was, you would say, look, Brother Chapel, that's just one sin. He took up some stuff. His family's destroyed, his cattle's destroyed, his tent's destroyed because of one sin. Yeah. God takes sin very seriously. There's a street here in Lancaster named Challenger Way. And on Challenger Way, uh, there, uh, you can go down there just a few miles down, you can see the sign for Challenger Way, but there's a story behind Challenger. And that is the Space Shuttle Challenger. And the Space Shuttle Challenger, uh, about 20 years ago, set off to launch, and NASA had spent billions and billions of dollars developing uh, Challenger Way. And... Uh, they, they, had, they, had, they had spent billions of dollars developing the space shuttle. This is about 20 years ago. And everything looked great. They had set the launch date, and they had gone, and they had gone through all the final preparations for the space shuttle, and they had set the date, and the crew got on, and they, had, uh, they were waiting, anticipating launch. And just a few seconds after the space shuttle, the Challenger space shuttle, had launched into the air, about seven seconds after it had launched, it was destroyed. This was televised. Many people were watching the space shuttle. Many people were excited. This was, this was an historic mission. And the space shuttle goes in the air. And within about seven seconds, bam, it explodes. Everyone lost their life on that space shuttle. They conducted months and months of investigation to figure out why something that, the, the, that NASA would spend billions of dollars on, why it could just explode just like that, seven seconds after it take off. You know what they discovered? <laughs> Maybe I'm supposed to be done. Uh, they discovered that there was a small piece of plastic. There's a little plastic O-ring. costs about 25 cents. And because there was a small crack, it was imperceptible to the human eye, but the crack was so small. But yet, you know what? That small crack caused this entire billion-dollar aircraft to explode in air because of one small 25 cent piece of plastic. There may be something in your life that you say, Brother Chapel, it's, it's small. In the grand scheme of things, it's small. And no one knows about it, but it's small. The devil will use that as a stronghold in your life. It can bring your life to a screeching halt when we have unconfessed sin in our life. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.